welcome to One Giant Podcast. Along with Andy Makowitz, I'm Adam Armbrecht, once again talking all things New York football giants. And as we prepare to look ahead to the Week 8 matchup with the Giants traveling to Detroit to take on the Lions, Andy, I'm officially back from Indonesia stateside. Welcome back, Adam. I am most excited that we don't have to record either at 6 p.m. or midnight at this point. Yes, yes, this this feels a lot better. I don't think there was any level of convenience for either one of us while I was in Indonesia, but I do have to say, in case case Courtney listens into this one, I had a fantastic time there. It really was great to be around uh, Sabrina and Doug and the family and everything, and just a a wonderful experience, but I am excited to now be in the same time zone as my co-host on the One Giant podcast. And I'm sure traveling from Bali, you're on the plane, you probably had Wi-Fi, so I'm expecting a very crisp, clean, stat-filled podcast from you this week. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In the 24 hours of travel that I did in order to get home from what was my Wednesday, but is your Thursday, I totally dove in deep dive on this stuff. I could not be any more prepared. Let's do it. One giant update. Before we Take a look at the matchup with the Detroit Lions, specifically, as always, following Wednesday, news and notes around the team. We'll dive in with the first one. The Giants go ahead and they sign Dion Buchanan. A little bit of speculation around this player for a couple of days there. Anything you want to report news and notes-wise before I kind of hit you with, I think, some, some surprise information? Uh, no, the only thing I would say is I think we were all hoping to see Sterling Shepard back at practice, you know, uh, concussion, uh, lingering concussion issues are, are never a good sign. He does kind of really boost the offense and, and gives Daniel Jones another weapon to go along with Golden Tate. I'm, I'm excited to see those two together, but unfortunately it's not going to be this week against the Lions. Yeah, and when you see a player who's now had multiple concussions, we said this, I think, last week, always want to err on the side of caution. But at this point now, you know, this could be something that maybe sticks with Sterling Shepard through the duration of his career even. So as we turn our attention to some other news and notes, at 2-5, and five, it seems like the organization is maybe starting to accept the fact that this is not going to be a competitive year in terms of pushing for a playoff, quote-unquote. So, you know, now some of the rumors start to swirl around this team and possible trades that could happen. A couple of the names won't surprise you. There's a couple of things I want to hit you with and, and get your gotcha reaction from. But first name would be Janoris Jenkins. And this is a player we heard about even going back to last year. And this is a guy that's definitely actively right now being looked at to be traded by the New York Giants. I think a lot of the rumors are probably a fourth round pick for this guy. How does that land with you just initially? Yeah, I think this is the the pivotal moment right before the trade deadline where you decide where you think the team's going to be in the next three months, right? Um, if, if we don't think that we have a path to make the playoffs and you have some of these older veterans on the roster, um, I, I don't want us to kind of drive down the middle of a two-lane highway. I think we got to pick one and be strong in our convictions and, and make the tough decisions. So I'm okay with a fourth-round pick. I think – Um, you know, stockpiling assets for a veteran that, uh, you know, contract may be coming up is, is probably a good thing for this team. I think in the past, we've kind of held on this false hope or false belief that, you know, we're just a couple of throws or or one missed play away from winning a couple games and and being in the playoff hunt. I think, you know, with, uh, with this game coming up against the Lions, I think it's, it's a good thing that we're starting to look at players like Jenkins, uh, being on the trade block. A hundred percent. And, you know, listen, you and I fell, fell prey to the, 
to the uh, tantalizing choice of hope as opposed to maybe a little bit of a reality. But these last few weeks have certainly have brought our feet back to the ground, I think. Some other names quickly to go over, but I think a couple of these could be surprising. Alec Oldershie's a name that gets thrown out there, but I think that's just because he's a veteran and he has a bigger contract that we gave him. That one I'm not really concerned about. I'm not even going to really ask for your opinion on that. But a couple of interesting ones would be, one, Dalvin Tomlinson. Now, the reason why they're saying this could be a possibility is because he still will be under control next season and he makes a relatively low cap hit. He's had a good year. I personally don't think this will happen, and I personally think that he's shown a lot this season and kind of falls into this group of you know, himself, DJ Hill, and along with, uh, with our rookie, Lawrence, that you expect these guys to kind of be the core of that line going forward. If he's a guy that you're saying, if his contract comes up and he becomes a free agent after next year, are we looking to him as a piece moving forward that we can build around? Is he a building block and a foundational piece for this defense? If he's not, then we're just kind of putting him on the roster just to have him, you know, let's get some trade capital. Let's get an asset uh, for him. So I'm kind of leaving this more to the, the GM to say, where do you think he fits in the long-term scheme? Mm-hmm. And you got to remember too, this is technically a, a Jerry Reese draft selection. So as we know, guys that are held over from, from that regime have certainly been moved on from. And as you start to draft in some of your own talent and you see them having success, the BJ Hills and, and the Dexter Lawrence's of, of the world, then maybe it does become easier to move on from a player you know, like Tomlinson, and then you look to, again, replenish that through the draft. Two big names I want to touch on, Evan Ingram. This is a guy who, again, is a carryover from the last regime and who a lot of the speculation around is that the Giants don't necessarily utilize him the way they should. He's a guy that should be basically a wide receiver on your team. And when you look at having even a healthy Sterling Shepard and then a Golden Tate, he really is a component that should be getting utilized in wide sets, move him around on the field a lot. How would you feel about him getting moved on from, again, for return of assets? But do you think that he's just too talented to let go of and you need to figure out how to use him you know, better? Or is it the flip side of it where we talked about sometimes inconsistent, sometimes some health issues, and maybe you try to strike while the iron is quote unquote hot around a player like this? So I think that every single player in the NFL, maybe sans Patrick Mahomes right now, has a price. Mm-hmm. Whether it's one first round pick, whether it's four or five first round picks, like someone like Khalil Mack, everybody has a price. What I don't understand is the idea that Evan Ingram's name comes up in trade speculation. You know, you drafted him uh, mid to late first round, um, you know, in 20, basically in 2017. What are you looking to get out of a late first round pick on offense? I think Evan Ingram has shown that he is explosive. And, you know, we're talking about trying to build this foundation of young talent. You have Daniel Jones back there, and we're talking about trading away one of his security blankets and weapons over the middle. We don't know where Sterling Shepard is in his recovery from concussion-like symptoms. Mm -hmm. I think we'd be doing a disservice to Daniel Jones' growth by eliminating weapons on the field and making him try to make plays, uh, hold the ball a little bit longer so receivers can get open downfield. So I think it's absolutely ridiculous to trade Evan Ingram unless – you get some kind of sweetheart offer from someone desperate that's looking to make a, a Super Bowl run. Yeah, and those, uh, Timmy, those would be the kind of teams that you that would probably be willing to give up enough to make you feel like there's value there. I tend to agree with you. Even though this may be 
you know, a team in an organization that's saying, no, we don't, we don't think we're going to compete this year. And there's some players that we'd be willing to move on from. You do have to have that balance of then still having enough around Daniel Jones. So he can feel comfortable, you know, growing over the remainder of the season. The other big one now, and I think you can kind of make the same case you just brought up as far as having enough around Daniel Jones, having a replacement for this player, would be something that you have to kind of have a gauge on before you would make a move like this. But apparently Cleveland Browns are actively in trying to pursue and in conversations with the giants about left tackle, Nate soldier. This is a guy out in Cleveland. Their offensive line has obviously been an issue for them all year. It's a team that had pretty high expectations coming in. And I think they look at Nate soldier as a, as a potential, you know, fill in and at least stabilize her along that line. This will be the last one before we move into the game talk. So I've heard some tongue-in-cheek uh, comments. Obviously, the Giants uh, feel very comfortable trading with the Browns. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of the, <laughs> one of the things that I heard was, man, Cleveland could use someone on their offensive line to help protect their quarterback, and the Giants could probably use a number one wide receiver. It almost makes too much sense to trade Odell Beckham back to <laughs> For Nate Solder, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and when I saw that, I kind of shook my head and I said, this is ridiculous. Then I kind of chewed on it a little bit. I mean, it, it's kind of funny to think that it's come around full circle. You know, both teams traded away uh, and, and now have kind of bare spots, especially with Sterling Shepard Hurt for the Giants at wide receiver. Uh, you know, I'm, we, I think we don't want to get Daniel Jones killed. That's my biggest concern. Mm-hmm. It would be great to move off of Nate Solder's contract I think we've talked in earlier podcasts. I haven't been as critical of Nate as you have. I mean, you look at some of the defenses that they've been going up against in terms of, you know, the Vikings defense. You look at the Patriots defense, um, you know, the Bills defense. These, these are pretty good defenses that can get after the quarterback. And, I, you know, I, I think Nate has performed well. That's why there's interest for him on the market, even at his – you know, second highest, I think, uh, tackle salary right now. But, you know, my big concern is I don't think you can move him because how, how much are we going to put on the one of the a rookie offensive linemen to protect Daniel Jones? And, and I just get really concerned at him. Well, and that's why when you look at a name like Janoris Jenkins, a couple of factors that he's older, but then you also know that Sam Beal is coming back you know, off the injury reserve soon, and they, they've already said that they would look to play him on the outside. So there's kind of this mentality of, well, yeah, if we, if we moved on from Jenkins, we have the player that replaces him. So I, I think to your point, it does make sense that it's okay to make a move like this when it comes to Soldier, but you need to at least feel confident about who's going to replace him. And you know, even during the week, they had a couple interview questions with John Helipio, who frankly is a guy that's maybe underperformed a little bit as well based on expectations but you know he said he finds it a little bit frustrating when people point to Nate Soldier as being the reason why you know Soldier didn't give up eight sacks the offensive line gave up eight sacks and I think it is a team effort and and there certainly have been some step back for a couple of players on this line so I mean listen these are all the the speculations that are kind of out there right now I would I would put kind of a high a high level of confidence that, that Jenkins will get moved again because of his age and where the contract stands and, and who you have waiting in the wings. Tomlinson and some of these other guys, I really don't see a lot happening. And even, even Nate Soldier, it's hard to tell if internally the organization doesn't like what they've seen from him or not. But so, you know, something to monitor. And of course, I'm sure by the time we, we, we come back after the, the Detroit Lions game, we're going to have a lot more information. But I do expect some level of moves to get made here before the trade deadline. Now, as we dive into the Detroit Lions matchup, 
This is an interesting one. You know, you and I talked about it previously. You break the, the season down into quarters. First four games, we were two and two. Now in this second in the second quarter of games, we find ourselves sitting at 0 and three. Certainly a win against Arizona would have given more hope. And we, we could have been looking to be uh, again at 500 midway through the season. And now instead we go on the road against a two, three and one team in the Detroit lions. They play in a very tough division, but this is a team that offensively, you know, they, they can put up points. They're, they're 13th in the league in points, eighth in yardage per game. Passing is sixth rushing yards is 18th, a little bit in the middle of the pack there, but this is a team that's going to give us a handful from a defensive perspective. Initial, initial thoughts as we, as we head, head into this Week 8 matchup? I think as potent as the Detroit Lions offense is, and I think Matt Stafford uh, you know, threw four touchdowns in, in a loss against the Vikings, mm-hmm. um, the most telling stat is they put a, the, the Minnesota Vikings put up 42 points on the Lions defense. So mm-hmm. as good as they've looked and as bad as the Giants defense has been, the Lions defense has basically almost been worse. Um, you know, the, the Lions are giving up 26 and a half points per game. They're tied for 27th in the league with the New, New York, York football Giants. There it is. Uh, yes. So, uh, you know, every time we shake our head about how bad our defense is, uh, you know, they're right there with us. So, you know, they're 31st in the league in yards per game that the defense is giving up. They're 30th in the league in passing yards per game. So, uh, you know, this defense, I kind of look at it as their offense is pretty good. Their defense is atrocious. You know, while the Giants have only been scoring 18 points a game, I, they kind of feel a little bit similar in terms of their makeup and, and where they've been struggling this year. A pretty good team on offense and a team that struggles on defense. Boy, that sounds pretty familiar to the team that the Giants just played in the Arizona Cardinals, doesn't it? You know, a team, oh, well, pretty good on offense, really struggles on defense, and we end up losing now. 27-21, you know, 21 points against the bad defense, but we expected the Giants to win that game, expect them to put more points up against them. You know, right now, Detroit, they just traded away. They're starting safety. There's a little bit of turmoil inside of that locker room as far as some players being upset about that. But I think to your point, offensively, this is, this is a team that's going to move the ball and then defensively should be susceptible you know, when you look at the Giants and our offense, I assume another week back for Saquon Barkley and the ankle is going to be that much healthier. Big things from him in this game? Yeah, I mean, the I didn't mention it, but the Lions defense is 28th in the league in, in rushing yards per game. They give up almost 140 on the ground. So, um, And they've played teams, uh, you know, like the Chiefs that don't necessarily have um, the, the most formidable run game uh, in terms of, of talent back there. So, you know, this is the type of game where I could see Daniel Jones trying to trying to get it to Saquon as much as humanly possible. Not even necessarily just running it through the tackles, but screen passes, short slips, slips out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm really looking for him to start carrying the load. But again, that that also is dependent on whether or not he's fully healthy. I mean, you could see uh, during the Cardinal game that he was a little bit gimpy on that on that ankle, and whether or not it's because he was kind of worried about injuring it again, or if it was tweaked a little bit, gives me a little bit of concern. You never want to see a guy come back too soon. You were actually a big proponent of this when, when we were talking about off podcast around that New England Patriots game. And I was saying, if you get a chance to get Barkley back, you got to go for it. You were more you know, cautious and saying, wait until he's 100%. And, and honestly, even in the Arizona game, to your point, he didn't look necessarily 100%. And then you worry about maybe re-aggravating or tweaking something. So it'll be something to keep an eye on. 
when we just I'll flip over. I'm kind of I'm in the mood to flip flop back and forth from these teams. But in the running back room on the other side of the ball, as you know, Carryon Johnson goes down onto IR with an injury this past week. Do you think that defensively the Giants attacking this run game should be able to feel some confidence since they don't have Carryon Johnson and well, I mean, I'll say the backup running back gouged us last week. Do you think that this defense can contain a running game regardless of who's back there? Well, we're also forgetting uh, the Lions drafted uh, out of Maryland in the sixth round, Ty Johnson, uh-huh. um, this past year. And he actually led the backfield in carries when Carryon Johnson went down. And uh, as we saw from, like you said, the backup running back last week, um, I have a little bit, bit of concern. You know, he's, you know, Ty Johnson's 5'10", 210. They say he looks great on the field for them. I don't look at this as a game where we say, wow, their, their bell cow back is out. Let's, let's see if we can get some pressure or let's see if we can stop the run game. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we've proven that we can do that. Um, so th- this does give me a little bit of concern. And then, uh, first of all, 100%. I, I, I don't think there's any guarantees now. And, and listen, it's not even an indictment on Arizona. The, you know, the running back did well, and he's a young running back. So you, you can't really judge what that is. We can look back a year from now and say, oh, yeah, Chase Edmonds? Yeah, of course he blew us up. Look what he's doing now in his career. So sometimes it's a little bit of prisoner of the moment syndrome. But, you know, you look at the other weapons that this team has. As you said, Matthew Stafford in this offense has found the rhythm this season that coming out of last year – you know, there's a lot of questions about where they were going to be able to have success. Now, all of a sudden, they are having having some success on the offensive side of the ball. You look at the wide receiving core, Galladay having a nice year, Marvin Jones having a really big year for them, even the rookie Hawkinson at tight end, up and down for sure, had some injuries early in the year. But, you know, how do you see this defense trying to contain them? Because who do you want to take on the big body in Galladay? And by the way, Marvin Jones is six foot two as well. So, if Jenkins is still on the team, you assume he'll at least be the will, will be this week. Where did Baker and Jenkins go? Do you tag one defender against one wide receiver and have them follow him around the field? What kind of defensive tactics do you, do you hope to see the Giants employ? Uh, I don't feel very good at all with yeah. any type of tactics. I mean, the only way that this is going to work is if we can get pressure. Um, I mean, you, you talked about it before. Do I feel confident in us stopping the run game? N- no, I don't. Do I feel confident in our matchups against uh, Galladay and Hawkinson and Marvin Jones Jr.? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, the only way that we can, <laughs> we can really have a chance on the defensive side of the ball is pressure. Uh, and so, there, you know, Betcher is going to have to do some creative scheming with getting some different blitzes, whether it's off the cornerback or, you know, bringing the house sometimes just to be able to get that pressure and, and maybe make a play. I don't think that we can sit back uh, with the talent that we have on defense against their potent offense and expect to get consistent stops and get the ball back for our offense. No, and we touched on it these past couple of weeks when you've seen Peppers coming down to the box for the Giants. It really has seemed like it's something that's been working for them. Now, you're not seeing wins and losses, you know, wins over losses in that scenario. But one of the concerns I think we both have is that as, as he does come down to the box, it certainly leaves you more exposed on the back end. And some of these players for the Detroit Lions are certainly going to be able to take advantage of that, you would think. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. It comes Sunday. On the offensive side of the ball for us, we touched on Saquon Barkley and what we hope he can do as he continues to get healthy. When you look at us from our wide receiver core, again, no Sterling Shepard this week. You know, Golden Tate, this is a a return game for him. He played for – he was playing for the Lions before a a short stop at the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Evan Ingram, you know, up and down game last week, misses a big opportunity for a big catch. Daniel Jones, sloppy play last week, trying to get a level of stability underneath him. Let's kind of wrap that up as far as what we want from the offense and then go big picture with Pat Shermer. How do you, what are you looking to see from a game scheme standpoint and the adjustments you hope they can make throughout this one? There are absolutely no excuses for our offense to not play well in this game. Mm-hmm. I get that we are on the road. I get that we have a rookie QB. But, you know, you look at last week, it was windy. It was pouring rain. It was a little cold and damp at, at the Meadowlands. Um, so, you know what? Listen, that was the first time uh, that Daniel Jones is kind of having to deal with that type of weather. You know, chalk, you can chalk up whatever you want to that game. I'm, I'm putting that game behind me so that I don't get angry about Pat Shermer's decision-making again. <laughs> don't get me amped up on that. Uh, but, but there is a real expectation from me that the offense is going to do well. You know, we don't have Shepard, and that's understood, but there are still enough weapons for Daniel Jones to be able to move the ball down the field. So I feel like this is the – put up or shut up game where if we come out and we look flat and we don't score, you know, 25 points in this game, uh, I have real concerns about um, not only the offense for the rest of the year, but do we have to start considering where Daniel Jones is in his progression? You know, I know it's early. I know it's only been five, six games, but that's kind of where I stand. What are you thinking, Adam? It's the same kind of thing, right? We've seen this so much now, and you don't want to sound like a broken record in a lot of ways, but this really is a zero. I felt the way about the game last week, zero excuses. But again, I'll chalk up the weather as being something that throws you off. Saquon Barkley, not 100% healthy, but this feels like the kind of scenario where you you want to see Daniel Jones with the assistance of Pat Shermer and, and good game calling have a nice, clean game throw whatever it is, two touchdowns, no picks, one touchdown, zero interceptions, 230 to 260 yards, play a nice clean game, lean on the lean on the rushing attack, and just accept the fact, listen, the reality too that you need to see is in terms of wanting Daniel Jones to have progression throughout this year, you need to go ahead and accept the fact that if the game is getting away from you, it's getting away from you. Because that's not what the most important aspect of the rest of this season is going to be for the Giants. It's about seeing the growth of young players, Daniel Jones first and foremost. So don't commit to going for it on a fourth and 15, Pat Shermer, except that you need to punt the ball away there and not leave your quarterback to potentially get hit from the blind side, have a fumble, and just be one more negative situation that he that he has to grow through a little bit. So uh, I don't know how much of the Kool-Aid I'm going to drink, but I will say it is a matchup right for the Giants to take advantage of, and you certainly hope that, the, hope that they're able to do so. Before, I'm going to I'm going to challenge yeah. you for for a second there. You you said that you're hoping that Daniel Jones can throw for 230 yards. Is that what I is that what I heard you say? I said 230 to 260. But yeah, I, I mean if if Daniel Jones throws for 230 yards, there is a 0% chance that we win this game. Zero. Yeah, okay, but I you know I get it, but at the same time it's like saying setting an expectation like we went to last week right what we both have i said 265 for jones i think he threw for 220 you you said over 300 he came nowhere near that like i understand what you're saying if you want to talk about what needs to happen in order for them to win the game well that's different than what i think is probably an achievable goal because arizona was a bad defense and we couldn't have success whether i i get it but we couldn't have success through the air that's just the bottom line so you know i, I need to be somewhat realistic in what my expectations are as well because i <laughs> 
he hasn't thrown for 280, 300 yards consistently during, you know, in his, since his debut. So how can I expect him to do it regardless of the defense we play against? But, but that's the thing is we're playing against the 30th ranked passing defense indoors in a dome who is going to put up points against our defense. It, it, it's it, the only scenario that I see. I, I can't see Daniel Jones even throwing for under 200 because the Lions offense and Matt Stafford is going to put up points. Yeah. And we're going to eventually have to put the ball, if we're behind, in Daniel Jones' hand and he's going to have to make throws. I think, you know, in the weather, we kind of forced the, the run game, obviously, a little bit. And we thought we were in the game a little bit more last week. I, you know, I am expecting, you know, I said 300 yards last week and I looked like I got egg on my face because he didn't even come close. I think that regardless of win loss, if he's not putting up close to 300 yards, then this will be an absolute blowout. And it may, and it, it may be because here's what, I'll, here's what I'll say. I can see a scenario where Daniel Jones has thrown for, let's say, 240, 245 yards, right? And there's going to be two or three plays in the game where Darius Slayton gets open deep or Evan Ingram gets down at the seam. Now, maybe Evan Ingram drops it. Maybe Daniel doesn't quite hit Slayton on the pass. And it's going to be the difference of an additional 35 to 55 yards on his stat lines. You know, there's a part of me that I agree with you. I think that the game is going to play out that kind of way. But it's going to come down to whether or not is the catch made. Does Jones have time? To, you know, there could be an open receiver down the field and Jones gets swallowed up in the pocket. He could hold onto the ball that second too long and do what he did last week and try to spin his way out of a pocket and end up getting hit. So, you know, I, I just think that there's a couple of these little elements. And then this is how any NFL game goes, but there's going to be a couple of little things that are going to dictate whether or not he has a, you know, 250, 60 yard day or a 315 yard day. And, and that, that may sound like a big difference, but it's really not. It's one or two catches on a given drive. And that's going to dictate whether or not he has what will feel like a, a big successful day for him or one that just kind of feels, you know, average or muddling. Well, and, and we will put up our predictions on social media for where we think Daniel Jones is, is going to be. Obviously mm-hmm. um, we can already tell which way both of us are in <laughs> right, right. of where he's going to be. And what I think is more interesting is getting, Getting into the prediction for the game, I think we've talked a little bit about um, where things stand offensively mm-hmm. and, and defensively, but I think it's time for us to, to start talking about what we actually think is going to happen in the game. Well, we sure can, Andy, but before we get there, I'm going to need you to give me a little bit of information in terms of where does Vegas think this game is? Hit me with the over-unders. You, you know that I need this stuff, Andy. You know that I look to you. for Everybody looks to Andy on the podcast for this kind of information. Excellent. 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 Mm -hmm. And I even have a fun little statistic for you before we get into it. So in doing some, some research, even though you're our, uh, our resident statistician over there, um, I looked in both the giants and the lions have a negative point differential right now, which is a positive. Yeah, that's, that's (laughs) literally the opposite. Could not be more of the opposite if it's a negative. Right. Um, and so I kind of thought to myself, man, a negative point differential, that's basically impossible to overcome. And Adam, are you ready? Yes. Since 2010, nine teams have had a negative point differential at the end of the season and still made the playoffs. Wow. Nine, which to me blows my mind. I thought I was going to have to see, you know, a handful of teams over the course of, of NFL history. Right. Nine. And Coincidentally, the 2016 Lions are one of them at negative 16, and one of the other ones that's noteworthy is your 2011 Super Bowl champion New York Giants had a negative six 
regular season point differential. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Andy Makowitz thinks that the New York football giants will not only make the playoffs this year with a negative point differential, but he also thinks that it's 2019 New York football giants, Super Bowl champions. Well, well, you, you didn't, you forgot to mention that they're facing the 2019 lions in the NFC championship game. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the only way they don't make any more sense. Is I mean, if these two teams meet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just found that fascinating that, you know, you think teams are dead in the water and then you see these teams go on runs. I think the, uh, the, the Seahawks a few years ago were seven and nine and they had a negative 97 mm-hmm. point differential and still made the playoffs. So uh, while I, everything is doom and gloom and we don't feel great about a lot of things, I just thought that was an interesting stat considering both teams kind of are staring down the barrel of everything right now. Oh, um, for sure. But in terms of Vegas, so the line opened up at the New York Giants minus seven, uh, plus seven, and the over under at 49. So basically, they're saying that the Giants are going to lose by a touchdown. It's going to be somewhere between 21 to 28 ish. Um, About the same over under from last week, if I'm not mistaken, too. I think 49 was that right? Yeah, it almost crept up to 50 uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and currently it's at 49 and a half, and the number has moved down a little bit to six and a half. I think they're expecting that, you know, some people are, are taking the seven points, uh, which is natural in betting to think, hey, at a touchdown, I push. Maybe I can get lucky and it's a field goal game and I can clean up. So the, the Giants lines moved down to uh, plus six and a half, and about 57, 58% of the money is still going in on the Lions, which I find. Mm fascinating um your early thoughts makes sense giants have been you know pretty horrific so uh one, we're on the road as well so i think the giants should be getting points it, it coming it makes sense too like i think to your point it's at seven there's a lot of reasons to to put some money on that and it's, now you see it drop to six and a half and the over under listen it, it feels very similar to last week like i said earlier of, you know bad defenses and good offenses you expect there'd be some points put up on the board and I really think what it comes down to is is just how these teams look in the early going of this game because one of the things you it is hard to gauge although Vegas does a great job with this is just how do bad teams start games you know if they don't get into a rhythm quick you can kind of see this thing muddle into the second or third quarter but because the teams are bad, then you can see it ratchet up and has, see a bunch of points get scored quickly in, in this kind of game. So, you know, again, I know you think that we want to see Daniel Jones have success, but that, you know, that six and a half to me speaks volumes for, for where the Giants are right now. And even though the, the Detroit Lions find themselves at two, three, and one, they're still a team that are in a very difficult division, lost to the Green Bay Packers by just one point right? I think they lost to the Chiefs as well. So this is a competitive football team in a way that the Giants, even in their losses, have not shown. Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs game, it looked like they had had the game won uh, for a while, if not for a fumble on the one yard line that went into the end zone that went back for a hundred yard touchdown run, uh, which really changed the game uh, in that Kansas City Chiefs game. But yeah, they've, they've been relatively competitive. I mean, they beat the Chargers. They beat the Eagles at Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they lost the Packers by a point at Lambeau. They've been a competitive team. They've been a little bit more competitive than the Giants. And that's what kind of concerns me about this, is they've played some really tough teams. The Giants have had, in my estimation, a little bit of an easier schedule. And, you know, here we sit with the six and a half points. I think that's a a little bit generous towards towards the Giants, to be honest. 
Well, and you know what? I think we've touched on all the key attributes there, the over-under and, and how Vegas feels about it. You know the time, my friend. It's time for predictions. Uh, well, who's going to go first? Who wants I'll, to? Oh, I don't care. I'll, I'll keep going first, buddy, because quite frankly, I've been, getting, I've been getting more and more confident. I, I've been getting bullish in my estimations about things. Even though, I, even though I was wrong about Daniel Jones' stat line, I was closer, so that feels good. Even though I was wrong about the Giants winning the game, I was closer, so that feels good. So I'm just, you know, I'm going to take the lead on this stuff and let you try to hedge your bets. I, I like how even when you're wrong, the only silver lining is that you're less wrong than me. That's yeah. Nice. Well, listen, if there were more people on the podcast, I would try to hierarchy myself somewhere in there as well. But this is, you're the <laughs> only one that I have to go against. And I look at this game, you know, the six and a half points that the Giants are getting. Unlike last week against Arizona, where I thought 27-21 New York football Giants victory, I don't know what to expect from the New York football Giants anymore at this point. I, I don't know if the offensive line can hold up against anybody. They made the Arizona Cardinals look very strong. We, we've talked about my, my issues with Nate Soldier. John Helipio has struggled a little bit this year that we thought he was going to be the answer at center. I don't know if that's true right now. So I definitely have my concerns. Where are you looking in terms of things you want to watch for? I'm looking at the Giants secondary. I have great concerns. Matt Stafford has looked great. I mean, he threw four touchdowns against the Vikings, uh, which have essentially a top five defense in the league. So for me, the Giants are not a top five defense and their wide receivers create matchup problems. So for me, I'm very curious. You talked about DeAndre Baker. You talked about Janoris Jenkins. You talked about Peppers. You know, but they, uh, there's, there's a lot of concerns for me uh, in the secondary in terms of getting stops and, you know, not necessarily even making plays that, that force turnovers, but just getting off the field. You know, interestingly enough, something we didn't touch on before, but there was a little bit of talk about how Lorenzo Carter could potentially start to see some time shifting inside on the, for the linebacking core. And right now, maybe you're pairing him up with Alec Ogletree, but long-term, it'd be putting him in the middle of the field, which could help in run defense and maybe also help a little bit when it comes to covering a tight end. I only bring that up to say – you know, Hawkinson, who's, who's been a little up and down, but I think could maybe expose us over the middle when you're so concerned about those outside matchups that we've touched on. I'd be curious to see if the Giants maybe make a little bit of a move like that in this one. If you see now with the success of Marcus Golden on the outside as the edge rusher, maybe there's a scenario where you see a flex around. We obviously have also touched on some of the injuries and issues that they've had at the linebacking core uh, inside and out. But that's something that I'll watch for. I think you're right. The, these, you know, cornerbacks are going to have to make plays. Boy, man, th th this is tricky. And, and Barkley's a big factor too. Is he 100% healthy or is he healthier than he was last week? Did he tweak something? You know, man, I, I, uh, I, I want to find, is there anywhere else that you want to, I need to just massage this in my mind a little bit. Is there any other things you're looking at? Because I really am just kind of on the fence here about which way I want to go in this matchup. Yeah, yeah. So this give me more information so that I can inform my decision. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, go <laughs> first, but tell me more, Andy. The, the thing that I keep going back to is while I know Eli started the first two games of the year, and Daniel Jones looked great against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when nobody had any game film on him, the Giants are only averaging eighteen points a game. Yep. And I know that they've played some tough defenses, like we said before. They've played the Patriots, the Bills, and the Vikings. 
but they've also played not great defenses like the Arizona Cardinals at home and, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, you know, Washington Redskins and the Redskins. Right. Yep. So, you know, we take the good, you take the bad and, and we're probably going to fit somewhere in the middle. So I think, you know, the, the thing that I'm thinking about here that, that I'm chewing on is 18 points just feels so low in this game. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to say, you know, the giants have to score more than that. But again, we have been fooled by this Giants team before, thinking that they were going to put up big numbers against the Cardinal defense, and, and they didn't come through. So I just think it's interesting that the Giants are putting up 18 points. Do you expect them to put up more than that against the, you know, the 30-31st ranked defense in the league? I know. I, I know. That, that, that's the hard part about gauging a team that is very much – and up and down and inconsistent. We've, we've touched on all those things. What I will say real quickly, and, then I, and I'm going to give my prediction is when you say something like you take the good, you take the bad, you have to finish that out, Andy. And there take you it. have the facts of life. Thank, of thank you, Andy. So, you know, that, that, that'll drive this podcast straight into the ground. <laughs> prediction time, man. I, I'll be happy to be wrong about this, but I'm calling for a Giants loss. Honestly, last week just really tore my confidence out as far as how I looked at this team. Matthew Stafford has looked resurgent this year. They have the weapons offensively. I'm not even – I don't care about the defensive side of the ball, honestly. Even if we put up points, I just think that our defense is – and I've been saying how I think they can play better – I don't know. Maybe this is a scenario where the Giants offensively do enough, and it kind of speaks to what I've been asking them to do. Adam, I've never seen you just flip-flop so much in your entire life. It's like you don't know which side of the fence to to land on on this one. No, I've jumped clean up in the air. I'm plummeting towards the fence post, and I'm just wondering, am I going to impale myself dead center? Am I going to catch my arm and flop onto the Giants' side? Is it a kneecap to the Lions? Listen, I'm going – Detroit Lions victory at home over the New York football giants. And I am calling for a 31 21 victory. Well, you're not going to get too much pushback for me. I, after watching that Cardinal game and seeing our defense get cut up like Swiss cheese uh, early in in the game against the backup running back, Mm -hmm. I, I just need the giants to, to prove it to me before I can, have confidence that they can put all three phases together and win a football game now. Um, you know, like I said before, 18 points seems very low, especially, get, uh, you know, points per game. You know, what do you think the number is that the Giants are looking at? Uh, you know, I would immediately think over, but then they are what the numbers say they are. They're not putting up over 20 a game. That's, that's a problem. Yeah. Adam, I'm, I'm, I'm very close to, to where you are on this one. I think, I don't see a way that the Lions don't put up over 30 points. Uh, I, I just see our defense is kind of in shambles. I, I'm with you on Jenkins. I don't think he's going to be here for much longer, and I think we're going to be waving the white flag. So my prediction is 35-20 Arizona Cardinals. I think oh, there you go. it's going to be a, a big time over in terms of points because the Giants can't get any stops, and I think – you know, the Lions defense is going to give up some points, but not as many maybe as uh, Giant fans would hope for. So not positive outlooks from from either of us. And I think we're both sitting here saying that the team needs to, to prove it to us. Uh, and we're going to be picking like this until further notice. Yeah, I refuse to get burned again going going the other way with this. And, and the reality is we both we're both saying take the over. 
we're both saying take Detroit giving the points with our predictions. I think like you said, I think it could easily push in the direction that you're talking about that 35, 20 doesn't sound out of the realm of possibilities. I think everything kind of combines together here, right? Trade rumors around the team. They just got gouged by a relatively bad Arizona Cardinals team. Detroit really needs this win. And so obviously just to, to tie a bow on this, obviously the giants will win this game then somehow. Right. So, well, and, and I know exactly what's going to happen come Sunday is you know, the first quarter, the game's going to kick off. I'm going to put my fandom hat back on. And the first Giants drive, they go down the field. It's an Evan Ingram 17-yard touchdown. Up the <laughs> and, and I'm going to say, they got this one. They have this in the bag. And much like every single game where we start to look alive, like even against the Cardinals in the second quarter, team starts to look alive after an abysmal first quarter down 17 mm-hmm. nothing. I, I'm sure that at some point in this game, the Giants will pull me back in, but I will resist for one more week. Well, we'll be, we'll probably, there's a very good chance that we're going to be sitting side by side pulling for the Giants this week. As, we, as I said, I'm back from Indonesia. Got to meet the latest Makowitz in the household. So there's a good chance that Courtney and I are going to be joining you up there saying hi to Kelly as well. Hi, Kelly. And then, uh, you know, sitting down to watch this game together and pulling our hair out, hopefully being proved wrong. I'm with you. I'm, I'm excited that you're back stateside. Like we said, we can, we can watch the game and, and maybe get some things out uh, on Twitter and, and on Instagram in, in real time together. So uh, looking forward to it. And uh, to be honest, I hope we're both wrong. Yeah, as they say, it's why they the, why they play the games on Sunday, right? So that'll wrap it up here for us. We got some really positive feedback about the new format, breaking things up into a reaction piece about the past week and then coming back and touching on the game ahead. So we were excited to hear that. As we always say, we want to hear from you. We got on Instagram a little bit this past week and had some interactions. Love to see that again for this one on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, at One Giant Podcast. You know, beyond that, Andy, it's just let, let, let's go Big Blue. I mean, you know, and see you on Sunday, I guess. Fingers crossed. Close your eyes and hope for the best. Um, and, yes, let's go Big Blue. <laughs> and as always, this has been One Giant Podcast.